Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And my name is EJ Kerwin. And again, just feeling really grateful to be here every Friday with my amazing husband. Well, thank you. Just wanted to say, again, a huge big thank you for listening, for the amazing reviews and feedback we're getting And then for your ideas, just hearing from couples and individuals out there about like, hey, this is something I'm really struggling with. Will you guys do a podcast about this? Absolutely. It might take a couple months to get out, but we will do it. So just keep sending us your requests and we will comply. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we are most grateful for is when you tell somebody about our podcast. If you have a family member or a friend who you think would get something out of this, it might be helpful in their relationship relationship or their personal growth, please just share our podcast through your podcast player, tell people about it. It's really helpful for us to just get the word out. And really, at the end of the day, our mission is to help as many people as we possibly can. So you spreading the word is a big help in that. Which is why we also try to cover so many different topics in the mental health field. So it's not specifically just for couples, but it's around addiction, codependency, attachment, bringing in other guest speakers. I mean, again, we're really trying to generalize and give resources to so many people. So that's a great segue. You know, Tara and I talked a bit about our counseling center, Relationship Renovation Counseling Center Mm -hmm. here in Tucson. We have an amazingly talented team who works with individuals, with couples, with families, and we love to have members of our staff on. And today we are lucky enough to have Dr. Rose Bricker. She is a doctor of behavioral health. That is her chosen profession. And she is also a wife a mother and a grandmother. She's. We, she just told us she is Grandma Roses, which is so, <laughs> so, so sweet. Cute. So welcome, Dr. Rose, to the program. Thank you. Yeah. How are you today? Doing well. Looking forward to a weekend with my grandchildren, oh, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. Yeah, they run you ragged. We've they heard. do. <laughs> yes. Both boys, right? Yeah. Yeah, I have a third one. He's going to be in Flagstaff trying out for some ball team or something, and oh, he's 10. <laughs> so, I mean... Can you tell us, you know, a little bit about your, um, not just professional, but your life and what brought you here into this profession? Uh, Yes, tell us about yourself. Well, I'm a Navy wife. My husband was in the military for, we were, for 25 years and retired here at Tucson. And during that time, we went all over the world, Japan two times and Bermuda. It was just an exciting time to be traveling around. And we were raising two of the boys at the time. And now they're grown. And now I have grandkids with them. So that's cool. We landed in Tucson and I went to work for Sierra Tucson which is a treatment center up in North of Catalina. And it literally changed my life. I went into recovery at that time because as part of the employment, you had to do a week-long family week. Mm -hmm. And it literally changed my life. I went into therapy then for a year, (laughs) which is good, (laughs) and realized that I had so many issues that I was shoving down and that I wasn't my best self and my authentic self. And it opened my eyes. And I realized I had a bachelor's in psychology. And I thought, this is cool. I I think I can do this as a profession. Yeah. Yeah. 
You discovered curiosity about yourself. You enjoyed it. It was probably very rewarding work. And then you decided to become a doctor in it. <laughs> this could be awesome. Wow. So Sierra Tucson had a program that they didn't care what you were doing, but they wanted you to further your education. You could do it through getting licensure or you could do it through education, you know, the school. So they paid, thank you, Sierra Tucson, for my master's degree. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then I went down into the treatment program. I was in admissions at the time and went down into the treatment program and worked in the eating disorder clinic and the mood disorder clinic and also in the, in the addictions program and loved it. And I thought, okay, well, this is kind of interesting. Well, that ran its course, and I decided I'm going to go to other areas in the community. So I went to community mental health and found excitement and different types of clients during that time. Mm -hmm. And I was working at Kodak, and one of my coworkers said, I'm going back to get my doctorate. And I had thought, I am never going back to school. (laughs) Could (laughs) not pay me to do it. No. And I thought, well, shoot, if she can do it, I can do it. (laughs) A little competition with the colleague. Just a tad. And so ended up in Tempe, Arizona at ASU and earned my doctorate of behavioral health, thinking, uh, going along with the Cummings Institute's belief that you can integrate the medical part and the mental health part. They're probably about 10 years ahead of their time because it's very difficult to get into the medical community and be respected as a mental health professional. Mm. The biggest challenge is you get to spend about 15 or 20 minutes with a client, and that's just not Not enough enough. for me. I understand that that's a great resource, and I definitely approve of what they're doing, pulling behavioral health in, but it just wasn't satisfying for me. So... I thought, okay, well, let's see what else is out there. And so I've been around the different treatment centers here in Tucson and even in Texas, worked at sexual assault office there for a year. And and then I found this community, (laughs) this office, and love it because I can work part-time and that fits my needs right now and um, my desires. And I just have been you know, in and out of the military community, being a mentor to some of the wives. And my husband loves it and likes to travel. So Mm -hmm. right now he's in Montana. (laughs) Not so much working with the military, but the border patrol. But we keep a really close hand in the military community just to help and guide. And Well, I know one of the reasons like I, well, first of all, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast, but you know, your training and also your own recovery in your process, like that a lot of codependency is related to addictions work. And so I thought, you know, and we see a lot of codependency here with our couples, whether that's around addiction, whether that's just, you know, dysfunctional relationship dynamics. And so I thought it'd be great if we could kind of use that topic of codependency and maybe pick your brain a little bit about how you help others become more, we call it healthy interdependence versus codependence. So in launching into that, I think like, can you define codependence for our audience? Like help us understand what, what is that? 
Well, as I was refreshing myself, <laughs> I'm constantly buying and reading the new material that's out there. But also, uh, Pia Melody has a book on the 12 steps of codependency. Mm-hmm. Susan Anderson has information about it. So there's a lot of information out there. But really, codependency, simply put, is if you regulate your mood, your happiness, your identity, and your trust around someone else, Mm -hmm. and that is what brings you joy and purpose in life, that's simply put, that's codependency. That you don't feel comfortable in and of your own skin. That you have to be involved in somebody else's issues and challenges and problems. That's how you get your worth. Yeah, that your that your well being is dependent upon some sort of external source. In yeah, this case, absolutely. we're talking about another human being. That right. like like I'm not okay unless I'm getting some validation or right. something from another person. Or if my partner is okay, I'm not okay. Right. Like there's a huge bleeding yeah. into that area. Like right. well, if they're angry, I'm angry too because how dare they be angry? They're not allowed to be angry because I'm in a good mood today. Holy moly! Yeah. Right. I mean, this topic is huge. huge. There's no way we can get through like. The entire concept <laughs> yes. of codependency, but so I mean, what we want to do then is is sort of like make it as applicable for people and understandable as possible, right? And because right. I think it's hard sometimes for people to understand. Well, what is the difference between codependence and interdependence? I'm with my partner, my mood or my day does get affected by them. Like, how would a person like have an idea of whether they were in a codependent relationship? Well, I think the big piece, and I'm in uh, recovery from codependency still and will be for the rest of my life because of the way that I was, what I learned in childhood, that I had to be serving other people. I, I didn't have a right to my own feelings and needs and wants. And so someone always came first. Well, if you live your life for a lot of years that way, it's really hard to shift. Mm -hmm. And so what I know now is if I'm not giving to myself, if I'm not taking care of myself, if I'm not involved in what I like and what I need, then I am giving away all of my power. Hmm. I am not taking care of myself. And it's easy to slide back into that role Mm -hmm. where, especially as a mom and you know, my dad as well, but because we're raised to nurture and it's hard to know when to let go. And if you have a role model at home where my mother had a black belt in codependency, (laughs) (laughs) that's what I learned. And that's what I thought it was all about. Yeah. There was no other roadmap for you. It was just, that was your normal. Until I went to Sierra Tucson and I spent that week in family week I had no clue. And I was like late 30s. Yeah. So because of that, some of the symptoms that I had, and that is very common, is depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, no confidence. I mean, and it can be physical too. It can be headaches and stomach aches and back aches Mm -hmm. because you're not giving to yourself the way that you need to. Yeah. And the body keeps the score. We remember, and it's cellular. We know that now. And so if you don't take care of yourself, you're very likely to have all of these issues. 
Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say right there is one of the primary ways you can notice is if you just aren't well yourself, which is interesting, right? Because codependency, the codependent individual would look at signs within their relationship. But what you're saying is like, if you are off, if you are depressed, if you are anxious, if you are having negative, you know, physical manifestations of maybe emotional problems, there's a good chance that codependency is something you want to look at. Absolutely. And it resonated from the addiction field. Absolutely. Pia Melody, um, Sharon Wickscheider-Cruz, Joe Cruz, and this is years ago, when they, John Bradshaw, when they were all talking about how does the addiction affect the family members. And so luckily, they developed family programs and, and wrote books and realize that, hey, codependency is goes hand in hand with an addiction. Wow. Why is that? What, help us understand that. Well, I think because we want to save people. Yeah. I think it's that simple. We want to help. We want to save people. And I don't know, I was taught and many people are taught from the time they're little, that's your job. And especially a woman. Um, that's what my mom did. She yeah. took care of her family at all costs. Even when there was an alcoholic in the family, she still took care of him, yeah. didn't set boundaries, had no self-care whatsoever. Yeah. And it was more recognized then because addiction was coming out of the closet mm-hmm. 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so the authors and, and the people in the field, hey, there, what do we do for family members? And I love working with family members. Yeah. Mainly because I'm in recovery over this. I know what it looks like. My family's full of addictions and trauma and mental health issues. And then when it came into the mental health field, like the depression and anxiety where people aren't having addiction issues, they realized, hey, could it be that we came out of dysfunctional families Mm -hmm. and that creates the same kind of thing for codependency? Could it be? And if you read the books, the latest literature and the old literature is awesome as well. If you read it, you'll see that just makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you, I think you nailed it right there. Is that like if you grew up in a family where there was addiction, where there were mental health issues, whether there was unresolved trauma, like that Absolutely. it's just a natural yeah. adaptive trait to take care of those individuals, Absolutely. their needs, because they're in a chronic state, their needs are just naturally put above sure. above everybody else's. Absolutely. And then you you don't even learn how to take care of yourself because you like, because you're, you're just trying to keep your family from imploding on itself. Right. And my own therapist calls it, and I'm sure this is from like, you know, prior turns, but she's like, we walk around needless and wantless. We walk around needless and wantless because we learned that from a very young age that other people's needs and wants are more important than us. And then we're adults and we're like, why does this feel so bad? Why do I feel so resentful? But I, you can have all of me. Okay. But it's like, yeah, because we're needless and wantless. And when we're able to say, hey, I actually have needs and wants and those are okay. I mean, it is a process. Total process. But it's, um, you know, and there's this other term too, not to get like too technical, but it's called othering and selfing. That like when other people othering Mm -hmm. dictate our moods and the feelings about ourselves, that's codependence. And selfing is like, hey, like I'm actually like, yes, that's triggering to me, but like I can handle this kind of like that idea of selfing. And so when I'm working with my own clients around codependence or even with myself, right? 
I'm always like, am I othering or selfing right now? What's the difference? The difference is like, okay, I actually have control of myself right now. I can handle this. Absolutely. And a big piece there too is to understand being responsible to somebody Mm. and for somebody. Hmm. And I have a little chart that I pull out regularly in my office and we talk about that because when we're responsible to someone, we help them grow, we nurture, we we do things because we love them. But if we take on the four, we want to get into this position of control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to save you. And yes. I want to I want right. to tell you what to right? right? Yeah. That's and I want to tell you what to think and how dare you be different, right? So it's about learning the difference, two little words that make all the difference in the world. Now, with kids, sorry, you know, we are responsible for them. For sure, for sure. (laughs) They're babies, we have to... But again, it's important to learn how to step back and let them take the To transition from four to two, right? Right, because if we don't show them, they're not going to learn. Right. And if they don't learn... It's very likely that they're going to develop these characteristics of being codependent. And if they do that, it's really hard to be happy within yourself. Can you be alone? Can you take care of yourself? I know the very first thing I realized was I could take care of myself Mm -hmm. at Sierra Tucson. It's called (laughs) (laughs) self-care. What a, what a concept, Rose. I'm with you, girl. I can and relate. And it wasn't, and it's not selfish. It's not selfish. That's huge. Which right? I had been told yeah. forever Ever. that it was selfish. Now, remember how old I was? Yeah. It's like 30s. late 30s. Yeah. And had tried to raise two boys to be healthy, which yeah. now we know. Right, right. So what does recovery from codependency look like? Like if somebody's, if this is dinging for them and they're like, oh my God, this is me, mm-hmm. help them understand, like, how does one go about recovering from codependency? Well, I think in my case, I wanted more information. I was craving information because I had all these symptoms and I wanted the symptoms to go away. Yeah, And so... Get more information. There's a book out there, Codependent No More, and the author is Andrew... Nadelku. And he has actually two books. He's a PhD that is new in the field, maybe five, eight years, but he has put it into a very simple, concise book that will help you figure out what to do with these issues that you're having. There's also CODA meetings here in town. Mm. I spoke to one of the uh, leaders here in Tucson. Her name is Sarah. She gave me permission today to give her phone number and her name. And there's meetings all over. You can do meetings in person, you can do meetings Zoom, and you can do it on Tell the phone. Tell us CODA. Codependence heard. Anonymous. Uh, Codependence so Anonymous, it's, okay. it's not the new movie that came out, <laughs> which is it's also a great, CODA. Really That's good. a great movie. Which is a great movie. And there's a lot of codependency in there. Oh, oh yeah, there we saw that. sure is. Oh, it's Absolutely. A, that is a movie about yeah. codependency, So right? this is C-O with a small O. Capital D, capital A. And if you'll look, type that in, .org, you'll get all the information that's available here in Tucson. And Sarah is welcoming phone calls. She will come in and drop off literature here at the office if we want. Oh, that's wonderful. And her phone number is 520-343-3000. 
3090. And I called this morning because I wanted to make sure, because a lot of times the phone numbers change. Yeah. People's not available anymore. Right. And when I'm in just the addictions field, that's one thing that I keep right at my fingertips. But with being here, with having other issues, I realized, oh, well, it's not as applicable here. But the longer I'm here... And the more clients I see, the more I realize, oh, Oh, this sounds so So much much. like codependency. Absolutely. And I I wanted to just put this little tie together really quick around addiction and codependence. Because if we are walking around needless and wantless, and we don't feel like we're a priority, we don't have self-care, escapism through drugs, alcohol, porn, sex, whatever it might be. It's just a way to escape. And I truly, I mean, I have worked with a lot of people who have shifted from codependence to healthy interdependence. And it's like that urge for medicators doesn't even happen anymore once they have this sense of control over themselves. Right. Again, like you said, Dr. Rose, it is a difficult shift because there's no road mapping for None. like self-care. What? what? Well, the, the other tough thing is that like even if an individual starts to recognize this and starts making these changes, the system they're in, the oh, family they're in, it oh. like like gets a little off balance, really frustrated. A little. There's a lot of pushback when a codependent system starts to be broken up by somebody. I'm glad you said that because that's the reason that I suggest that you look into a CODA meeting or you look into some type of support, whether that's therapy, individual, or group, it's important to know that you have these rights and that you will get pushback from your family because they're used to you being a different way. What I used to call it, on occasion, I still remind my adult children, this is the new and improved rose. Love it. So that I wouldn't forget and so that they wouldn't forget the way that we're shifting as a family as I would put things on the refrigerator. Yeah. This is the way we're talking now. We're using I statements. Mm-hmm. This is the way we're striving to behave, yeah. you know, with a heart full of love yeah. and compassion. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're allowed to do, take care of ourselves. And that may be different ways for different people. And as long as it's not destructive. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, eating, something as simple as eating healthy foods. I was just, Rose, I've got to share this story because when I was shifting from codependence to healthy interdependence, I have to share this story with you. I love eating healthy. I love filling my body with healthy things. Well, I'm from Indiana, right? And there's a lot of like process. I mean, there's processed foods everywhere. Let me just, my family is not the healthiest of eaters. Okay. I'm going to just go there. Sorry guys. Love you. No. And so when I go home to visit, it is like processed food central chips and cookies and cheese. Why aren't you eating Antamins? And so (laughs) I I would always be like, okay, I'm going to go home. And like, I know I'm going to feel like crap for like, because I usually go home for two weeks. I'm like, I'm just going to do it because I know that like my family will be upset if I don't eat this stuff. And if I start to want to go to the grocery store by myself, they're going to think I'm like a food health snob. And I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. So for years, I'm talking through my 30s, Dr. Rose. I just didn't want to hurt their feelings. I I wanted to like be one with them, Mm -hmm. but I would always leave feeling like a little kid. Like, why can't I just be okay with me wanting to be healthy? I would even feel bad if I was like, I'm going to go take a run around the driveway. Like, and then I was like, this feels horrible, right? That's how you know. 
That's how I know. And then again, I started doing my own work and my own therapy. And I still, like you said, it's lifelong work. But it was like, I remember when I was like, this is important for me. Right. Like, I can't just eat a freaking pack of Intamins. It's good. (laughs) But like, like, that doesn't feel good. And I noticed in the beginning, it was like, why? Getting mad at me, pushing it in my face giving me more and more of it. And I would have to leave. I would take a break. I would go call someone that I trusted. And I'm like, oh gosh, this family dynamic's happening again. And it's so hard to change. And I'm trying to be assertive and know that I'm, but I'm going to fall back into it because this is so complicated. And I don't, I avoid really complicated feelings. I don't want to be here. But my goodness, when I stayed consistent, right? And I'm only home two weeks every year. When I Mm -hmm. stayed consistent, it is so accepting now. It was, they call me like, hey, Tara, what foods can I get you from the grocery store? Isn't that wonderful? But And I say, I'll go. Because <laughs> I still know it might be sushi with extra mayonnaise, but that's okay. No. <laughs> but it feels so good. And like they actually, because they love me, but they're, you know, and they have their own dysfunction. Mm-hmm. As long as I was consistent, my needs and wants were okay. I was so scared that they weren't though. They were not And so it just you. took that courage and... It was emotional risk. Like, what if my family hates me now because I'm not eating like this with them? Right. I was willing to take that because I needed to finally be me. Right. Absolutely. And that's when you know that you've reached that level of recovery. Yes. And I'm glad you brought that up, uh, EJ, too, about what do you do now? Because with the CODA meetings, and you know they're 12-step based, and you know there's a higher power component to that, but you get a sponsor with the 12-step based programs. Now, if it doesn't fit, it just doesn't fit for you, but it's a really good support. People that are there that's been there, done that, they share their hope, their wisdom, and their strength with Hmm. you. And that's crucial in the addiction field. And I believe it's crucial in the mental health field. For a long time, we went to peer support in the community and I don't know, that's just somebody that's there that yeah. can help you navigate the system and support you, hopefully in a healthy way. Yeah. But this is so crucial that you get people that you can call and say, hey, I'm feeling really weak yeah. here. Yeah. Can you help me get through this moment? And in every addiction, that's one of the recommended things that you can do. And I love that part because I needed it. Yeah. I'm there for other people. And that's probably why I found myself in the therapy yeah. field because it's kind of codependency with boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> I relate, Dr. Rose. I relate. All right. This and has, don't we? Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I used to go home when I was like in my, because I started doing this when I was like, what, 22, 23. I would go home after really hard sessions and I'm like, I can't say, what do I need to do? I was like, but I got really great supervision and recognized that boundaries helps. are super healthy, but. Yeah, just that feeling of I've got to take on the world and save everybody. Right, right. And knowing that you're separate and it's okay to be separate and that you can detach with love. Absolutely. If you don't know that term, it's important to know what that means. It doesn't mean that you don't love them. It means that you can step away and you can still be okay with you. And that I know when I'm going home at the end of the day after a full day of therapy, I know I'm going home and I'm still in recovery. Yeah. And I can be there, I can hold their hope, and I can help guide them and direct yeah. them if that's needed, give yeah. them resources. But I'm separate, and I'm okay. But you have to cultivate that. You have to take care of yourself. Important to be assertive. 
I wasn't assertive. I didn't know how. Mm-hmm. Important to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. What the heck was yeah. a boundary when mm-hmm. you live in a dysfunctional family mm-hmm. where you can't even have feelings? I, I love what you said, though, about like you're still in it. Oh, you, you know, bet. I think that that's an important thing for people to realize, you know, that are just listening to the show or have a therapist or whatever, is that like these processes of self-growth are ongoing projects. They don't end, you know, and, and maybe there's significant times of change at the beginning, but they're sustaining it because it's easy if you, if we go to autopilot, we will, you know, there's a saying left to our own devices, we tend towards our own excesses, mm-hmm. you know, and we will fall back into that gully right. eventually slowly. Yeah. And we don't even know we're there. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're back right. in those old habits. And right. so, staying committed to these changes over the lifetime is yeah. incredibly important. It doesn't end at 30, 40, yeah. 50, 60 no. plus. Trust know. me. And every time I use my assertive skills, I get so proud of myself. I tell everybody. You should. I'm like, I was just assertive. You should. Because <laughs> it was so hard for me in the beginning. I didn't want to hurt anybody. And I, right. my idea was being assertive means you're going to hurt somebody. And I know now that that's not true. That's me loving myself and having compassion for me. And I have a saying that you can say anything that you need to say, provided that you say it in a constructive, loving, respectful way. I learned that at Sierra Tucson. It's okay to stand up for yourself. It's okay to set boundaries. It's how you do it. Yes. Your tone, your body language, And your that's words. a learning thing, right? That's oh, huge. Yeah. Don't attack them. Don't assassinate their character. Yeah. And I find that I tend to slip back into the codependency, particularly with my adult boys, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I love them to death, but I set boundaries. But when I'm, and this is from the addiction field, angry, lonely, hungry, and tired, yeah. and stressed. Halt. 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 When you feel yourself in those positions, in that condition, it's important to look at what you're doing and take care of those things. I have low blood sugar, so I have to watch my hypoglycemia. I have to make sure that I have food available because I get into those things where, oh, it's just easier to say yes. Yes, It's been a stressful week or I haven't slept good lately. And all of a sudden it is, it's you fall back into those habits. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, everybody else falls back into them. Right. This is probably not my term. Instead of hangry... Hanxious. Hanxious. Mm. Have you heard of hanxious? Does it exist? No, but it sounds right. Hanxious. Right? I'm just like, I was feeling hanxious last night. I was like, oh, I haven't eaten lunch today. And that well, matters. That matters. That so. matters. How do you take care of yourself? One more thing I want to say is mm-hmm. we treat people how to treat us. Right. And if you're yeah. assertive and you have boundaries, they will treat you or they'll disappear from your life. Yeah, and sometimes that's it. okay. Teach them how to treat you. You're worthy of that. Worthy of respect. And some you have to say it over and over and over and over. A million trillion times you have to say it. Say it anyway. Yep. <laughs> because you're worth it. It took all those years, and maybe some people are still in those situations where they're being told they're worth nothing. Yeah. And you don't have rights. Yep. So say it. Continually to say it, post it on the refrigerator and and on the mirror. You are worthy. You do matter. And it's hard to to do that when you've been told for years you're not. Yeah, Yeah, you're insignificant. Mm-hmm. Well, gosh, this was this was fantastic. We're going to have to do a follow up, yeah. Doctor Rose. Yeah, we just scratched Boundaries. the surface, but it's like, yeah. it's it's simple, but it's like 
It's complicated. It's complicated. But I think like you did just a wonderful job of like kind of crystallizing it for yeah. people and, and also just like painting a picture of hope that things can be different. You bet. And it's worth it for not just for yourself, but all the other people around you. I have to say that a lot of people that I've dealt with, and myself included, I came into recovery because I wanted a better life for my family. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Isn't that That just, is so funny. Isn't that the definition yes. of codependent? Codependent recovery right? for others. <laughs> I didn't want to be that person anymore. I didn't want to be depressed. I didn't want to be anxious. I didn't want to be less than. But I kept telling myself, well, you know, my boys are going to benefit from all of this. And now I see the benefit mm -hmm. that is passed on to the grandkids. That's and crazy. I love it. Yep. I am changing, literally changing the way that my family. Generational system flows. Right? Yeah. Taught. Change agent, Dr. Roses. Grandma right? Roses. Grandma Roses. Dr. <laughs> Grandma Roses. And I talked to the five-year-old about the granddaughter I talked to her about. Addiction was shopping <laughs> at, at five. She was, but Aww. now we talk about feelings and we talk about uh, having boundaries and we talk about yeah. you know having mm -hmm. your say, like we learned yeah. from the shooting. Give, giving them a voice. It's giving yeah. them a voice. Give they 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 need that. Not only are they allowed to have it, they need that they to need be it. the yeah. adult people that right. we're raising. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Dr. Rose, I just want to say I feel so grateful that you are a part of our team. Thank you. Again, we all have our own unique perspectives, and mm -hmm. I just feel like it is so cool what our center has, like all the different yeah. unique personalities and hearts and gifts, and that we pretty much all of us here have become who we are because of our own suffering. Absolutely. Which is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Okay. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's great to have these stimulating conversations in this mm -hmm. format and just like offer to people because I mean, I know I hear it from people over and over and over about the show is that they love to hear this mm -hmm. information. This is not like super complicated stuff, but just wrapping your head around it a little bit can make a significant change mm -hmm. in your life. So, so Huge. thank you, Rose, for everything you've done. Thank you. Everything you thank continue you to do. Yeah, I appreciate um, it. Yeah. Okay, so let's wrap this up. Again, just want to say thank you, Dr. Rose Bricker, for being here. We will plug in all of those resources in the podcast show Absolutely. notes. And as always, take care of yourself and take care of each other, right? That's not codependent saying that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Well, it Perfect. depends on how you do it. I okay. <laughs> Have a great day, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.